Blog Talk Radio. Go With Angels is more than the title of Mary Brotherton's debut book. It's her wish for you and your loved ones. Join her on her podcast every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time as she talks about angels and messengers from the spirit world. Of course, she'll talk about her book and the inspiration behind it, too. Call 516-418-5651 after 11 on Friday mornings to share your stories about angelic encounters. Good morning, everybody. I am, um, I am, it is and I am Mary Brotherton, and I am here with a scientist, folks, but he's not just any scientist. Doran is an acclaimed chemistry professor, and he's an author. He's a gifted energy healer, a mindfulness coach, and spirituality guru. Now, you say that you're all that stuff by night. You know, you're the professor by day and the author by day, but all this other stuff by night. But something tells me that it's hard to cross that line and say, okay, it's 5 o'clock, time to, to put on this other hat. Or at least for me, I find it. Do you find that? Yeah. Actually, it's funny you say that because I actually use a different name to make that distinction. So when I'm a chemistry professor, I use my, the name I was born with. But when I do my energy healing and all of this, I use my Hebrew name, the name I, I chose for my bar mitzvah and all that. And so Doran Shalev is my Hebrew name. My actual name is Daniel DeLille, but I, I changed my name to make that distinction between the two to help me change that mindset. But you're right, there is a lot of bleed through, especially as a professor, my mindfulness stuff bleeds through a lot into that. I teach students about the benefits of meditation and um, time management and stress reduction and all of that. I mean, we also have a lot of spiritual conversations from time to time for the students that want to have those type of talks as well. And so there is that bleeding through for sure. Well, I hadn't thought about changing my name. I changed my titles with all the different things that I do. And it's hard right. because so many of my jobs co-mingle and they cross over uh, because most of what I do is the same thing, just for different, or you know, whether I'm writing for Be Unique or writing for myself, editing for me or the organization, or editing for another writer, I'm still doing the same thing. Yep. And I've often exactly. joked that I was... I've often joked that I would wear a different hat for each particular job, but I think they don't make that many hats. <laughs> right. I know. I know. Absolutely. So you were raised under the Jewish teachings. I was raised under the Catholic teachings. And I know there are some people who say, well, you're Catholic. That means you're not a Christian. Well, it is. <laughs> Um, you know, it, it's it's really funny how people love to put a tag on you and say you're this or that. And I know because I've met you and I've been in your little energy bubble and I really enjoyed that space there. Um, you're you're just a wonderful, generous, giving human being, and it doesn't matter what labels we put on you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I feel the same about But I I agree completely. You know, these labels, I I tell people it doesn't matter how you connect to the divine. However you define the divine is fine with you as long as it comes with love. 
respect for others and, and respect for the earth and all that type of stuff, you're okay. Um, so I don't care if you're Catholic, if you're Protestant, Jewish, Buddhist, um, even atheist, as long as you treat creation with love and respect, that's all we're yes. looking for. And I know one of the biggest differences probably is the uh, the way we express verbally the word G-O-D. I know that in the Jewish religion, right. you tend to you tend to gloss it over a little bit and take out that O. And and that's one thing that I've learned. And when I I tend to be a little irreverent, um, and I sometimes say, "Hey, dude, let's sit down and talk." When I want to go pray, um, but I also call the divine Gus which stands uh-huh. for God, universe, spirit, and source. Sure. And uh-huh. that makes it easy for me. But, you know, I don't, if I'm going to talk with you, I don't, every uh-huh. other sentence, I don't say, Doran, Doran, hey, let's talk about this. Doran, what's your perspective on that? Doran, how, you know, and you don't have to do that with the divine either. It, it, as no, long as you've got that intention to just be in that presence, that's all you need. Exactly. I agree. People get too caught up with the exterior part of living a religion and not the interior spirituality that is the foundation and what should be the focus of religion. They're all about the do not do this or thou shalt do that, and that's really not what it's about. Those are tools to get you to that inner place. And people can't separate or they don't see the connection between the two they think it's all about the rules and regulations and you must say this or you must do that you know it's it's that way with writers i work with a lot of writers and um i've I've often been asked what do you do when you have a, a writer's block and i'm like i don't think that exists and and mm-hmm. Other other creatives, because I do a lot of other creations type stuff, and they'll say, well, how do you, you know, what do you do when you have a, a creativity block? How do you get past that? I'm like, no, I don't believe in blockages or obstacles. To me, those are just opportunities. To usually, it, that is a sign that you need to get up off your butt and move. Um, if you're that- writing, if you're writing or painting or sculpting or Using a hot glue gun to put sparkles on a wand, it doesn't matter what you're doing. If you get to the point where you cannot do it anymore for whatever reason, typically that's, in my understanding, that's the divine reaching out saying tap, tap, tap on the shoulder, time to move, time to get up. And and it doesn't matter if you go, it doesn't matter if you go move the clothes from the washer to the dryer go feed the cat, scrub a toilet, or take a walk. Move your right. body, and then all of a sudden you'll be slammed with all these creative ideas. Can I agree more? Now, when you, um, you work with chakras and crystal healing to help people. Yeah. And I know you do chakra readings also, don't you? I do, uh-huh. How does that work? I mean, I've heard of people doing like card reading, uh-huh. but I'm not really sure. familiar with chakra reading. 
And so how it works is I it kind of does tie into angel work. And so I call upon the universal life force energy. Some people call it Reiki and I am trained in Reiki and all that. And officially that's kind of what I do call it, but I'm calling upon the divine to bring the healing capabilities of creation through me and into my client. And how I do that is by balancing the chakras and the chakras are seven major energy centers in our body that control not only certain parts of our physical body, but parts of our emotional body and our spiritual and mental body as well. And these are linked to the Kabbalah tree of life. And so each of the chakras can be linked to one of the 10 sephirots from the tree of life. And that's how you kind of tie the chakras back into um, Judaism there. So that's getting a little deep. But anyways, with each chakra, I lay my hands with a crystal over the chakra, and I can see energy coming off the chakra, and and I can tell if it needs more energy or less energy. I then call upon the divine to put that energy into the chakra, and I just go up and down all the seven major chakras until I feel they are as balanced as I can make them be in this one session. And so I'm really, I'm not doing anything. I'm relying on the power of the divine, the creator himself, and I'm just a channel of that energy. And um, in Jewish tradition, uh, and with the angels, that would be the angel Raphael. And so I do call yeah. upon the angel Raphael to connect with God and ask him to um, beseech God on my behalf and to bring the healing powers of God through Raphael to me. And so that's kind of where the angel also ties into chakra healings. The crystals um, help me see the chakras intuitively. Some people say that psychically. Some people say that's with the third eye. Um, to me, what the crystals are doing are focusing and helping to focus and channel the energy so I can see it easier, and I can also channel that divine energy more directly. Very it's a little complicated. Cool. Well, I think things are as complicated as you make them sometimes. It may be complicated to understand on a lay term, but, I mean, I don't understand how energy works, but I don't think I need to necessarily understand. I know that when I flip a switch, the light turns on. And if it doesn't, then I've got a problem. And I think it's that way with ourselves, too. We try to do things, and if it's not working, you know, maybe we're we're not feeling that connection or we're not feeling that anybody's out there listening. It's usually mm-hmm. that we're not doing something right. Right. And what it boils down to is that we are nothing but energy. And so if you keep focusing in on us and we go down to our organs and then we look at what makes up the organs and we have the molecules and then we look at the molecules what makes them up well we have the atoms well what makes up the atoms so we have electrons protons and neutrons well what makes those up and then you get smaller and smaller and what you see is that we're nothing but empty space and energy and that that is what creates us we're almost like holograms in effect we're holograms of divine energy and so that's how god is healing through energy work is we're accessing that divine energy of creation and asking it to channel through us and allowing God himself to do the work through us. And I believe that God allows energy healing as a way to bring people back to their spirituality. Again, it doesn't matter if you call God God or Jesus or Buddha or 
the universe. Yeah, it's just a way for people to remind themselves that there's more them and that the, the, by receiving a healing, an energy healing, I believe people realize miracles exist and miracles have to come from a God or divine or whatever. And it's, it's a path back to the divine. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I have had two instances where someone, two different people, put their hands on me in prayer. And mm-hmm. it was so different because I, I've been suffering for years with uh, psoriasis and just finally got it diagnosed after a long, long journey. And um, the first man who did this was more evangelical, I guess is the right word. Uh-huh. And so, he, you know, he yep. put his hand on my shoulder and he started out, Oh, Father God, we're going to pray for Mary. We're gonna, yeah, real sing-songy, you know, just like, right. oh, we're going to make a big production of this and we're going to do this. And, you know, and to be honest, wrong with that. no, there's yep. not a problem with that. But it was a bit distracting for me on a personal level. Some people connect with that way, and that's why I meant there's no problem with it. You know, some people really connect with me. And like you, I wouldn't connect that way. Too distracting, it'd be too much showman, and it would distract me away from the goal. The whole time he was doing it, I had to remind myself to be open-minded and let it just let it happen, let the energy flow. Well, then a few Uh years later, Another man came to me, and he had seen me limping because I, the problem that I had was on my feet at the time. And uh-huh. he came over, and he sat down next to me. And he said, Mary, my name is Michael. Do you mind if I sit with you? I'm like, of course not. And so he said, do you mind if I touch you? I said, I do not. He said, do you have any place you do not want me to touch? And I said, well, if it's covered with clothing, probably stay away from that. But, you know, pretty much you can, you know, I don't care. You can hold my hand and you yeah. can touch my shoulder. I don't, I don't care. And so he just held my hand just like a friend would. And I've never met this man before. Uh-huh. And he said, but I, I felt a real good vibration from him, so I, I didn't mind. And so he said, do you mind if I pray for you? I said, I would not mind a bit. And yeah. the man got almost tune quiet. I mean, it was like graveyard quiet. And I thought, well, when is he going to start praying? And then all of a sudden, yeah. I, felt a, I felt a jolt of electricity run from one shoulder across my back, down my arm to where we were holding hands. And his other hand shot out and he went like that. And that started. All of a sudden, he started, and he kept throwing this energy out. And it was pretty remarkable how much my skin healed after that. And I've come, to, I've come to understand everybody on my path has been leading me toward this healing. And uh-huh. I've been – I think I was – um, given this opportunity to allow people to express their healing in different ways. Yes, definitely, definitely. And I think that's that's what's important about it is there are a lot of 
these so-called energy healers out there from people who, from Christian evangelical Christians who will pray over you or lay their hands on you to Reiki workers to um, people who don't even associate it with religion, like uh, Charlie Coldsmith in Australia. He's an energy healer. Yes. He just He doesn't do anything with the divine or God or anything. And it's all the same, though. We're all accessing the same exact thing. And whether we know it or not, that that source is God. It's the source of creation. And no one knows what that source of creation is. That's why we have all these different religions and all these, the mystery. We're not supposed to know what God is or who the creator is. We're not supposed to understand all of this. We just have to access it. We have to respect it. We have to love it. And in doing so, we're able to bring other people into that divine love through healing. Absolutely. And it, it, to me, uh, you know, people have asked me, well, how long have you been talking with angels or why did you start the show about angels? And the honest answer is I don't know when I wasn't, but I do know that any time in my life where I felt the disconnection, it was my disconnection. I was so yep. wrapped up in whatever was driving my ego at the time. And once I stopped letting ego drive me, then mm-hmm. I was able to open up and, and receive these encounters more frequently. And sometimes there are... Mary, you... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, sometimes they're not necessarily angels but they may be spirits of different they they could be people that i've i've uh you know loved ones who crossed over sometimes i've had encounters with people that are still alive that live elsewhere yeah and that's because we're those are pretty universal consciousness so to speak and so whether people have passed or whether they're living we we can connect with them subconsciously through this universal connection. But I think uh, you made an important point earlier when you were talking about this is when you were able to access all of this is you had to let go of your ego. And I think that when anyone who's doing angel work or trying to access the angels, this is the crucial step that they must remember is that you need to approach the angels without ego. If you approach them with ego, you're trying to control them. You're trying to manipulate them. And when you do that, only bad things can happen. And so I think that a lot of people who are working with angels, they're doing it from a very ego-centered perspective. And that does frighten me a bit because that can only lead to to some sort of karmic debt that's going to come upon them and people around them. And and so I do believe if I can give your listeners one word of advice, um, when you access the angelic kingdom, just non-ego driven perspective. You have to let the ego go. And I've also had people ask me, well, why do you commune with the angels? Why, how, do, how do you hear them and I don't? And my mm-hmm. answer to that is simply you're making too much noise in your head. And, and you're That's expecting too right. much. Exactly. Why you and not me? Right there, is they answered the question by the question, why you, not me, because of your ego. You're, you want the connection, and when you want that connection, that's because you, you, you want it for yourself. Trying well, I remember one, one time I was, once I was meditating, and I 
wanted to ask the question, why are you quiet? And it took a long time for me to get quiet enough to actually hear the answer. But the answer was because if we were loud enough to compete with all the noise that you're dealing with in your head, we'd ruin uh-huh. your hearing. You'd never hear anything. You would never hear another yeah, it, thing because we can't compete with that noise. That's amazing because you're absolutely right. And that's the power of the angels is that powerful. They, they can make themselves heard. If they make themselves heard, the walls of Jericho are going to fall, you know, from the, you know, the, from the, the proverbial sense here. And so, yeah, we are ready for that type of power. They have come to us with a whisper, the softest of their whisper. If, if anybody's familiar with any scripture, that's one of the things, you know, I am in the quiet. You know, what was it? Um, was it, oh, I don't remember who. Oh, I used to know. Now I've forgotten. But there was one angel who came, or, or maybe it was one. I don't remember. I, I'm really not good on my scripture right now. It's not, not clicking in. But there was a point where I think it was Joshua. But God, you know, okay. God came in. You know, there was a storm and there was a wind and there was all the you saw lightning and tornado. And in that moment of stillness was where he knew who God was. Very I can, powerful. I, I, I that. I, I relate that to being in a crowded room with a bunch, you know, you go to like a, whether it's a networking meeting for business or it's a family reunion, a wedding, a funeral, or a nightclub, whatever, it's a really crammed, noisy room. And there's somebody wants to talk to you, so they start yelling, trying to yell over the noise, and you still can't hear them. But if somebody comes up to you and starts whispering in your ear, you hear everything they say. Uh, yeah. I love that. That's beautiful. Now, you work more, do you work only with the Archangel Raphael or just more specifically with Raphael? I work, I try to limit my interaction with the Angelic Kingdom to only when it's absolutely necessary. And so I try to limit it to just Raphael. And only if I really, if nothing else I'm working energy-wise seems to be working. And so I ask God directly, you know, to connect to that divine source and ask him to flow through me for the greatest good of whoever I'm treating. But if I feel like nothing I'm doing is coming through, my, my highest notch is to invoke Raphael to go to God himself and ask for the healing to come through and to bring that healing down personally through me. And that's, the very most powerful form of healing. It actually, um, I don't, it, it hurts to do it. It gives me a bit of a headache. I don't know why. I don't know if that's just um, some sort of placebo effect or something like that, but it, it does cause me a little bit of discomfort to do that too often. And I think it may be just maybe I'm channeling some energy through that it's a bit much for me to handle. I'm not really sure where that's coming from. No, that, that makes perfect sense because I, also find it, it it works better. I mean, I have lots. Like you, we mentioned before the show that there is an angel for every blade of grass, every drop of rain, every single snowfall, snowflake, and every, you know, there is an angel assigned to everything. 
And that yeah. is not something that we were, we were not taught that as Catholic children. We were just taught, we had a guardian angel who had no name yeah. and they were, they were just there to, to watch over us and protect us. But um, yeah. you really couldn't communicate with them. They were just kind of like, right. um, they were assigned to you and they were this invisible force that you didn't really want to tangle with. But right. as I've gotten older, I have learned that I have many, many, many angels around me, and they, they do have specific duties. They have a mission of their own they to do. fulfill. But they also they do. help us fulfill our missions. And I'll never forget, uh, my mother told me one time that when I was four years old, I had a older relative who wanted to have me institutionalized because I was always talking with people she couldn't see. And they were, my Mm -hmm. mother said she was talking with her angels. Well, then as I got older, of course, most people put up a block and they quit communicating with the angels. I never stopped communicating with them until, like I said, my ego got in the way, but Right. Yeah. And, with, you know, you've got family members saying, well, how come you can hear the angels and I can't? And then I started thinking, ha, 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 I can talk to the angels and you can't. And then, of course, they're like, yeah, we'll show you something. So they, they shut, you know, they, they protect you from yourself sometimes. Yes. And yes. I met four of them, bam, bam, boom, one day. I was having a really bad day, and um, I just kind of in desperation said, I need an angel. And mm-hmm. I heard I heard the name, I'm here, I'm Alexander. And then there, I met Michael, but it was not Michael the Archangel. It was a different Michael. Mm-hmm. And then I met Jonathan, and I thought, okay, well, that's cool. I got three of them. And then I, I met Harriet. Over the okay. years, I've met more and more, and they sometimes they identify themselves to me, and sometimes they don't because I don't uh-huh. have to know their names. I just right. I just need to know that they are there, that they believe in me, so uh, I believe in them. Yep. I had somebody yeah, one actually, Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, in, in Judy, when it comes to those angels like that, the number of angels, um, in Judy, it's actually quite complicated. Uh, angels have, there's like t- 10 different rankings of angels from the most powerful to like the, the least powerful and the least powerful these are the ones that are like uh they, they aren't really even self-aware they kind of have a group consciousness and they're the ones that are like in charge of every blade of grass and every molecule of air and help control the weather and things like this and as you go up the ranks they have more power they have more awareness and all of this and so but you're right there are countless number of angels uh just it, the the number is unlimited even with the ones that we can access and so, um, I don't know where I was going with this, honestly. I, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> uh, but what uh, Jewish tells us is that there are just seven archangels, and then there are 72 angels kind of underneath them. And those 72 angels, their names come from the 72 names of God from the Kabbalah. And then underneath them, I think, are the more general angels. And so I think those are the ones that, most of us have the contact with are the ones that are below 72. So the ones that are like Harriet and, and um, Alexander and all of those. Um, 
And you're right, if they get any name, they might not even have a name, or their main name might not be pronounceable by us or something like that. Who knows? But, yeah, uh, yeah think, it's, it's Judaism. Think, yeah. yeah. And also, I think a lot of the names that we have assigned to them are names uh-huh. that, because it's something like Harriet or Jonathan, that is easy for right. us to understand. And, oh, that's a good I point. mean, if you think... Yeah. The angel that I call Jonathan might be called Rufus in another language. It might be the right. same. Yeah. I, I could have, and I've never really cared to delve into this to try to ask them, but I believe that sometimes we have one angel who works with millions of people, and we might have uh-huh. millions of angels who each work with one person. Exactly. Very, very true. And so I was actually, I kind of remember where I was going to go with uh, my previous conversation there. And so you're, so we're talking about these angels come to help us and that they have their own mission and all of that. And that's what uh-huh. I too about angels is um, some angels don't care so much about for humans because we do have free will. And so some of them resent us for that fact because angels, because humans, we, we can choose to serve God or not to choose God. If we choose to serve right. God, we can choose how to serve. But angels are completely one-dimensional. They have their one specific form of divine service, so to speak. Um, but our human soul has many. It's endless. And even though we are more and they know more than us, are envious of us. And so in a way, it's an relationship because they are more powerful, yet they want to kind of be more like us. I'm a huge Star Trek uh, fan, so it kind of reminds me of Data on Star oh, Trek. Oh, me too. You know, he's powerful. And then humans, you know, right? But he wants nothing more than to be human. And so that's kind of how I see the angels are like Data and humanity in a kind of deep kind of way. <laughs> yeah. And and what about Q? You know, he is trying to be yeah. a god himself, and he doesn't know how, actually. You know, he's like a god student or something. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I love Star Trek. And and there's so many different versions of Star Trek that uh, just carry the the story through for you. It does. And and the message there in in Star Trek, why I like it, is because it does tie into a lot of the same messages that angels are trying to give us, you know, about love and respect and acceptance without judgment. And these things that are crucial to get closer to the divine source. Yes. Absolutely. Um, you had a thought? No, I, um, no I, yeah, I dropped out there just for a second. So uh, let's see. So you talked about a lot about the um, differences and similarities between you know, like angels and Catholicism and, and Christianity and angels and Judaism. And so also have guardian angels in Judaism. We believe that you have a guardian angel that kind of protects you through life and all of that. Um, we also believe that there are two to three angels that kind of escort you from life to death. They aren't necessarily guardian angels, but they kind of surround you and keep you there. And another thing, too, that may be of interest kind of related to what you were saying about how one person can have a million angels and one angel can, you know, be responsible for a million people. 
is that there's one thing, I think it's from the Midrash, which are uh, rabbinical teachings about the the Bible. And they discuss that some angels are actually created by man themselves. And how we create angels are based on our deeds. And so for every good deed we do, we create an angel advocate for us. And for every bad deed we do, we create an angel accuser. And at the end, at Judgment oh. Day, if you have more angels than you do angel accusers, you're, you know, on the good side. If you have more angel accusers, then you might necessarily not be on the good side. And so I always I thought that was kind of an interesting analogy. And so you, you, we are, according to the Midrash, I think, uh, technically surrounded by millions of angels based on the deeds that we do. And so the better deeds we do, the better the angels around us we have and the better, more protected we are, so to speak. But, you know, if you think about it, um, a a prime example, my my husband's grandfather used to tell him, show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are. If you're a good person, you're going to be surrounded in life by other good people. And, you know, if if you're an outlaw, you're going to be hanging out with other outlaws. So it it makes perfect sense that the angels would be the same way. Yeah. And and in Judaism, you know, we, we go from the very physical nature of the angels where there are these beings that have wings and all of that, but they don't have wings really, um, all the way to the where if you look at it from a very, very, very philosophical point of view, some one Jewish perspective would be is that angels are nothing more than raised from the divine source. They, they aren't separate from the divine. They're actually part of the divine. And so we have four worlds through which the light of the divine filters itself through. The first one is where God exists. The second one is where the souls exist. The third one is where the angels exist. And the fourth world is where we exist in the physical world. And so this light gets filtered through, and the more powerful the light, the higher up in the world, the more powerful the angel to where it gets down to us, and we're nothing more than a um, kind of, like I said earlier, hologram of this divine light. And so anytime you love something, that's actually a spark of the divine in us, and that's a specific angel. When we hate someone, that's also an angel, and that would be a fallen angel or a bad angel. And so we go from this one perspective where we have, bad angels and good angels and wars in heaven that are very physical in nature. And then we get to this other flip side where it's like, well, maybe they aren't good and bad angels, but really just good and bad emanations of the divine because you need that yin and yang to have to, in order to love, you need to know what hate is and vice versa. And yeah. So we have and this. It goes back to the energy. Exactly. It does high energy, high frequency, the low energy, low frequency, you know, with the bad things versus the high feelings and, you know, higher feelings are better, higher energy and all that. Exactly. But it's funny that, uh, or not funny, but it's just nice that we can have this spectrum where we can have this very concrete angel that we can touch and make a statue of to remind us of the divine and then we have this other yeah. flip side where you can look at angels from an almost psychological point of view, almost scientifically, if you wish, 
to tie into just a more generic spirituality that doesn't necessarily have a name for the divine. It's just a way to connect to your spiritual self. No, I, so I angels, 100% agree, yeah. And so I think that's one, power, that's one power of the angels is that they allow you to connect to creation in a way, in any way that's comfortable for you, from the pure philosophical, scientific type of way, all the way up to the very metaphysical, very concrete type of way. So I'm going to ask you, do you, how do you, do you see the angels? Do you visualize them? Or how do you, what's your experience with the angels like? Um, both. I, um, I probably one of the most powerful visions I've ever had. I had a near death. Oh, I don't, I don't know if it was a near death experience, but it could have been. All, I missed uh-huh. a tragic accident. I was driving from Orlando back to Merritt Island and a truck passed me on the right. And then he pulled in front of me. Yep. He, he, I was actually passing another car and he zipped around me really, really fast and he had a wheelbarrow in the back of his truck. And when he was right in front of me, that wheelbarrow bounced out. And Holy. you know how they say your life flashes before your eyes? I didn't have time for my life to flash before my eyes. I just knew right. that I was either going to die or be hurt badly in an instant. Mm. And, and yep. I, saw, I saw a flash of blue leave my car. And push that wheelbarrow out into the grass on the side. Fascinating. And, um, I, I learned later that that was an angel that I now know as Andre. He kind of goes with me in my car all the time. I had another incident years and years ago where um, my ex and I were building a house, and while we were building it, I mean, we didn't have contractors. We were actually doing the physical work. While we were building it, we lived in a little trailer right next to it. We had two kids at the time. Um, the oldest one probably was no more than 10 years old. Um, the, and so we, we didn't ever put any regular heat or anything in there. We had a window air conditioner for the summer and a kerosene heater for the winter. And so we, this was in South Carolina, so it was a little cooler than it is here in Florida. But um, Mm -hmm. we would get up in the morning, usually it was my job to get up in the morning, turn on the heater. And because it was kerosene, we didn't, um, we left the door open, the screen door, so that the fumes would go out. Because you're not supposed to have those heaters indoors. They're, They're not for that. But uh, yeah. we were stupid and young and cheap and, and you know, whatever. Um, right. uh, I, remember, I remember hearing someone call my name, Mary. And I looked over at my ex. He was sleeping in bed. And I'm like, I must have dreamed it. Went back to sleep. And I heard again within seconds, Mary, get up. And I kind of roused a little bit more. I sat up in bed and I thought, it's very dark in here. It's not time to get up. I had just lighted the heater and then went back to bed is what I did. And I was waiting for the alarm to go off uh, once the the house had gotten warmer. And then I was going to go wake up the kids. So all of a sudden, I saw from my ceiling, and I know it was like a dream, but it was more of a vision, I guess. I saw this Uh enormous arm coming down from my ceiling, and I felt something shake me. And it was a 
heavy voice, but it was yet very soft and, and comforting. But he said, Mary, yeah. get up or your family will die. Well, I got up, Dang. grabbed the flashlight, and I couldn't see anything. Because I turned on the, the light and I couldn't see anything. And so I grabbed it. We, we lived in the country, so we always kept the flashlight because of power outages. And I could barely uh-huh. see the flashlight in front of me. And I, I figured, okay, well, we've just had a power outage. But dummy, you know, you don't think about it. If you're in total darkness, that light's going to shine more. And then I realized, oh, my uh-huh. gosh, the house is full of smoke. Oh, so, God. Yeah, the house had filled with smoke. And I, I yelled and got my ex up. He grabbed both of the kids, carried them out to the house, the log house, and put them in the shower. And I grabbed some clothes and went out there and started doing laundry. We were still able to get to work and school that morning without, I don't, I don't know why, why we didn't stop and take care of business. But we all went on about our business as if nothing had happened. Um, right. But I've had situations like that all my life where somebody that nobody else can see gives me instructions yeah. and and um sometimes I see them, sometimes I just hear them. I've wow. I've I've had them totally laugh at me like, you know, you're stop. <laughs> just do what you're told. Yeah. I, I tend to be I tend to be stubborn and hard headed. They find mm-hmm. me very amusing when I get that way. But I'm not I not bet. so much now. I've learned. I'm learning. Yeah. I mean, years so, ago, I had. Go ahead. I was going to ask. Um, we we talked about briefly. You know, well, I believe is one of the important things to connect with angels and things like this is make sure we approach them without any ego and try to come to them as try as pure of a spirit as we can. Do you have any other type of tips? you could think of that you use when you connect with angels or maybe that you live in your everyday life that helps you to, to connect? Well, one thing that I've noticed is uh, the angels love to use numbers to get our attention. Okay. Uh, you know, if you see a sequence and, and almost everybody thinks 1111, make a wish. Well, for me, I see 1111. Yeah. Oh, hello. Who's there? But, and, and I uh-huh. think that, the, because of numerology and the energy that's associated with these series of numbers, you know that there is, if you do enough research, you can find out which angels actually um, correspond to the vibration of that number. When my, my, husband went, my husband went shopping for a car part in a junkyard. We, we have a lot of used cars instead of buying new cars. Uh-huh. And he called me up one day and he said, you are now the proud owner of a blah, blah, blah. I don't even know what kind of car I said it was. And I laughed and I said, how do you know how proud I am? He said, trust me, when you see this car, you're going to be proud. I said, uh-huh. why? He said, well, I checked the odometer. And it is oh. one, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he knows he knows that I'm I'm a, I'm not a numerologist, but I do follow numerology, and he knows that I think there's power in numbers. I also think uh-huh. there's power in you know geometry. Um, but right. the car he ended up buying the car, put it on his credit card. It was so cheap, and he put a couple thousand dollars of work into it, and it was fine. And I, I've awesome. always called it my junkyard car. <laughs> <laughs> 
But um, right. <laughs> things like that happen to me all the time. And I would say if anybody else is listening and they want to to connect with their angels, to be mindful. You don't want to connect with too many too fast. And yep. you don't want you don't want to um take them for granted. You don't want to take advantage of them. And, and my I think also a dear friend of mine, we were talking one day and I was saying, oh, I think that's a sign. Oh, I think that's a sign. That must be a sign from God. Oh, that's a sign from heaven. Maybe my angels are talking. Yeah. And she said, Mary, she said, I want you to think about one thing. She said, you have been given free will and a very powerful mind. Mm-hmm. Don't keep looking for signs. You can look for signs for affirmation, and that's basically what the signs are for. They're to say, yes, you're on the right track. But don't right. keep, don't use your angels like a crutch. Remember that you yeah. were given a powerful mind and your own free will to make choices. Make the choices mindfully. And my own son once, he was probably about 16 years old, and I was – micromanaging whatever he was doing. I don't know what it was. And um, he just looked at me and said, Mom, you have built a fabulous foundation for me to grow on. Would you take a step back and just let me grow? Wow, that's very mature. Oh, yeah. He's also the reason that I call this show and my book that I wrote, Go With Angels. He was 16 had just gotten his driver's license, and every time he'd get the keys to go anywhere, I'd say, be careful, because that's what mothers do. And um, I don't know how long I've been doing it, but one day he just stopped, and he came back, and he looked at me. He said, do you think that I am going to get in this truck and deliberately be careless? I said, no, of Mm. course not. He said, then why would you tell me to be careful? That's assuming that I'm not. And right. I, did, I did what most mothers do in a moment like that. I prayed for guidance. I'm like, oh, I don't know how to answer this kid. What do I say? Right. And without thinking, the words, go with God and drive with angels came out of my mouth. Yeah. And... That became my mantra for them, him and his younger brother, even his friends. And when his brother was, they were, they were in a wreck. Uh, they were in the back of a, uh, they were in a pickup truck and Richard was driving. Matt was in the bed of the truck and his friend Chris was in the front with Richard. And Richard lost control of the truck and hit a tree and he couldn't find his brother. He thought that he killed him. And Matt was standing in the middle of the dirt road by himself, just kind of dazed and confused. And he said, Richard, I'm over here. So that night when he went to take a shower, he noticed there was a handprint on his arm, like bruises, where Mm -hmm. somebody had picked him up and put him in the road. Baruch Hashem. Thank God. Yes, yes. What a miracle. And, and and I I've had those things happen to me and my children for as long as I can remember and that's why I started writing the book. And when my oldest son 
went to the Navy, um, I changed my tune from go with God and drive with angels. I said, go with God and sail with angels because he was a sailor. Aww. And one time he came back from one of his cruises with this pretty big figurine. It's about 12 or, I don't know, 12, I'll just say it was a foot tall, of a sailor standing at the railing of a ship, and this big, gigantic wave was coming out of the water. And from that wave was an angel standing with her hand on his shoulder. And he told me, you know, what I find funny is a lot of angels have been depicted as women, but yet most of the angels' names that we are familiar with are male names. But uh-huh. um, anyway, he, he said, you and your prayers kept me safe everywhere I went, so I wanted you to have this. So that figurine, we took a picture of it, and that was incorporated into the cover of my book. Because nice. How sweet. I knew, I, I, yeah. And I knew 20-some years ago when I got that figurine from him that I had to create a – had to write a book. And I worked on it for – I worked on that book for 40 years until I finally got wow. out of my ego, got out of my own way, and I kept listening. Yeah. Because they kept telling me, print the book, do the book, finish the book. And my thought was, well, I'm not done. There's so many stories. I've got to put more stories. And finally, one day, one of them said, and I, to me, I feel a sensation like there's someone standing behind my right shoulder just whispering in my ear. I know it's in my head, but it, the, the, in my, I get an image of someone standing back there just talking quietly. And so I finally got the book. Published. That angel on the shoulder type thing. So that's funny. Say that again, please. Uh, we we kind of had that whole good angel, bad angel on the shoulder thing in Judaism and some traditions as well, like we see in the cartoons. Oh, yeah. So that's, that's, yeah. That's funny. And I, I think the bad angel is the ego saying, well, you're not ready. You're not good enough. Uh, you don't have enough. Yeah. You need to do more. And then the good angel's like, stop already. Enough is enough. Print it and go. And, and you can always do a second book. And the weird, wacky thing about this is two weeks after I had the book in my hand, I was inspired by that same little voice that said, now, I want you to write a book about angels for children. And that one took me four months. From from the in, the idea oh. to holding a copy in my hand and oh you want to hear a wacky one um, I wrote I tried to write the book and I couldn't get I I think I had eight lines and they were pretty stupid and so I sat down in meditation and I said hey dude you told me to write a book about angels for children yeah. so how come I had two weeks later I can't get the words out and I heard paint the pictures and the words will come. And because uh-huh. I tend to be argumentative with God, I said, I'm not a painter. And he said, that's what Michelangelo said too. <laughs> and I'm like, that is so unfair. You cannot group me with Michelangelo. He said, you want to bet? <laughs> so I, I started painting and I, pay, I, made, I had a timer on my phone. Every night, I would stop whatever I was doing, and I'd go paint. 
just used acrylics and canvases and made a mess and spent hours cleaning my brush. It was a process. It was a ritual. And I, I, on Christmas Day, December 25th, my youngest son called me to wish me Merry Christmas. And I was telling him what was going on in my life. And he said, well, send me some pictures of your pictures, of your paintings. So I did. And he gave me, he gave me the little, you know, out of the mouths of babes kind of thing. He said, Mom, have you ever thought about using AI to paint your pictures? I'm like, nope, because how, why, where? Uh, no. Right. Don't you need a lot of money to use artificial intelligence? I don't know how. Yeah. I had no idea. There are free programs that you can use. If you subscribe to them, then you can use the images commercially. And if you adjust those images um, enough to make them yours, then nobody else can actually copy them. Uh, they cannot be copyrighted in the, by law because they're not generated by the artist per se. Um, but four months after I started with the idea, I had the book in my hand. That was wow. a divine... And I, I pick up this book and I hold it in my hand and I look at it and I'm like, I can't believe I created this. Yep. And I showed it to a friend of mine who had given up the idea of – she had written a children's book, but she had given up on the idea of getting it published because she didn't know how she was going to get it illustrated. Right. And I I can illustrate it for you. But, you, you know, I can't do it myself. It's all artificial intelligence. You can't copyright it. Uh, you can copyright your yeah. words, but you can't copyright the images. Yeah. And she said, I'm mm-hmm. good with that. So that's what I'm working right. on now. And it, it's, nice. like, it's, very- it's like these things just keep popping. It, once you get out of the ego and let yeah. these voices come through, and and sometimes it's not even a voice. Sometimes it's just, huh, I think I can help her write her book. I can help her create these images. Why? I am so busy. I don't have time to take on another project, but I wanted to. And she's been worried about it. She's older than I am. She's in her mid-70s. And she was worried that she was going to die before she ever got this book done. And I told her, I said, well... I can't promise you'll live long enough to see me finish it. And I can't promise that I'll get it done in four months like I did the first book. But I can promise you that I will do everything in my power to get this book published for you. Oh, it's so sweet. It it may just be published online. You know, I don't know. It might just be a digital publication. But we'll see where it takes us. Oh, but it doesn't matter. The matter. The point is, you know, she's going to be able to get published. <clears throat> she's going to yeah. be. Able, she's going to be able to get her message out and all of that and all things because of your help and and it's a domino effect, like you said. It started with the inspiration from the angel, and then your son was called to come, kind of give you this message, and you took it to heart and you went with it, and now it's it's, it's expanding. You're creating that that message started with one message and it expanded and. And, you know, that's the thing. If we, if we set aside our ego, and then that was my thing was, well, I'm not, I'm not a painter. And when I heard, well, yeah, Michelangelo said that too, I'm like, oh, 
I don't think I'll ever be compared to Michelangelo in a sentence again, not, not by a human at least, but you get out of your own way. Oh, he's dropped. Okay, well, thank you, Dora. I appreciate it, and I will, I guess the show has run, we've run out of time. But that's been pretty cool. I'm going to see if I can do a commercial. I'm going to end the show and be done out of here. Thanks for listening to Go With Angels with Mary Brotherton. If you want to order a copy of Go With Angels, just reach out to mary at beunique.org for details. That's B-U-N-E-K-E.org. And be sure to tune in every Friday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time for more stories about angelic encounters. Follow Be Unique Radio on Blog Talk Radio so you don't miss a single episode. Bye-bye.